The Lord be with you. Our reading from the Holy Gospel according to John. Jesus said to the Jewish crowds, I am the living bread that came down from heaven. Whoever eats this bread will live forever, and the bread that I will give is my flesh for the life of the world. The Jews quarreled among themselves, saying, How can this man give us his flesh to eat? Jesus said to them, Amen, amen, I say to you, Unless you eat the flesh of the Son of Man and drink his blood, you do not have life within you. Whoever eats my flesh and drinks my blood has eternal life, and I will raise him on the last day. For my flesh is true food, and my blood is true drink. Whoever eats my flesh and drinks my blood remains in me and I in him. Just as the living Father sent me, and I have life because of the Father, so also the one who feeds on me will have life because of me. This is the bread that came down from heaven. Unlike your ancestors who ate and still died, whoever eats this bread will live forever. The Gospel of the Lord. One of the best examples or stories I've ever heard of Eucharistic preaching was by a young Chinese girl during the Boxer Rebellion. The Boxer Rebellion was a, in the, I believe it was 1900, a nationalist anti-Western Chinese uprising. And the church, and all Christian churches, not just the Catholic church, were particularly hard hit because of the uprising. Many were martyred for the faith. And in one rural village, the nationalists came in and imprisoned the priest and broke down the church and threw the tabernacle into the middle of the little courtyard area outside of the church and smashed it on the ground, sending the hosts, the consecrated hosts, everywhere. And then they fenced in the area so that no one could come or go and imprisoned the priest in his rectory. Well, every night, for 30 nights, a young girl would come, and she'd sneak in, and she'd kneel down, and she would eat off the ground one consecrated host. Because back then, you were only allowed to go to communion once a day. But she loved Jesus so much 
And she was so saddened, a little girl, to see our Lord just thrown on the ground that she would come, kneel in reverence, and literally eat off the ground without her hands, because again, you couldn't use your hands back then, our blessed Lord in the blessed sacrament. And she did this for 30 nights. And the priest saw this and watched her. And every night saw her come, reverently kneel down, eat one of the hosts, and then go. Well, on the last night, the young girl accidentally woke up one of the guards while he was sleeping. And in front of the priest, the guard beat the young girl to death. She gave her life, young, innocent life, for our Eucharistic Lord. Her entire life and the legacy of her life is a witness to the real presence of Jesus Christ in the Eucharist, and to what that presence and what that reception of that presence does to our lives. The Eucharist, when received faithfully in a state of grace, when we are open to the conversion that it offers, makes our entire life a kerygma, a holy preaching. A Eucharistic kerygma is what our life is called to. And though this is an extreme example We are all called to this type of witness. We are all hungry, as the book of Deuteronomy tells us. We are all hungry and the Lord offers us himself and feeds us with himself. We are united temporally. We who are bound by our physical bodies, we are united to the eternity, to the boundless love that is God through the Eucharist. And we are united to each other in the Eucharist. We are drawn to the Lord so that we can share. So that in one way, shape, or form, whether it be small or large, our life should proclaim the risen Lord. Jesus Christ, body, blood, soul, and divinity in the Eucharist who feeds us, who loves us, who draws us to himself so that we might draw others with us and to him through our words, through our actions, through our lives. Now before we get into the, the details of what I would consider a, a, Eucharistic, a life of Eucharistic kerygma, it's important as a Dominican to make sure we all understand terms and definitions and we're all on the same page. And I'd just like to r- remind everyone, what is the Eucharist? But more importantly, who is the Eucharist? The Eucharist is not a thing in the, that sense, it is a person. The Eucharist is Jesus Christ, body, blood, soul, and divinity. He is really present to us in the Eucharist. He loves us so much that he comes down from heaven and deigns to dwell among us in the Eucharistic species, and not only to dwell among us, but to unite himself to us in our reception of the Eucharist. Now, that's the Eucharist. But what does the Eucharist do in our lives, specifically morally and spiritually? What does the Eucharist do? Well, first and foremost, it is the divine antidote for our sin. That if received in a state of grace, the Eucharist heals our sins. Sacramental confession makes it possible for us, if we've fallen out of grace, to come back to the Eucharist. But it is the Eucharist that is our manna from heaven. It is the Eucharist that heals our brokenness, our wounds, that cleans us, that makes us whole again. 
And not only that, not only does it heal us, it is the pugil or the fire that the Lord uses to help rid us of our sinful inclinations, our vices, our bad habits. So the Eucharist in our moral and spiritual life, in our interior life, both heals us and gives us the strength to overcome, to beat down those things that lead us away from the Lord in sin. And this is wonderful. But it's also, the Eucharist is also what provides peace, happiness, joy, and sweetness in our life. It is the Eucharist, because it is our union, our physical and spiritual union with Jesus, that is sweet and gives us peace and gives us happiness. Because the book of Deuteronomy tells us that we are afflicted with hunger, but God gives us food, right? And we are all afflicted with the hunger for eternal life. And it is this food, and only this food, that nourishes us along the way. It is this food that makes it possible for us, in a life that might be marked otherwise by division and sadness and difficulty, to be joyful, to be peaceful, to be happy, to be united with the blessed. It allows a young girl to give her entire life, to give her literal life in joy and peace and happiness because of what the Lord brings to her and offers her. So then, what is a life, a Eucharistic Eucharistic charismatic life? What is that? What does that look like? Well, first and foremost, our Eucharistic life and our Eucharistic proclamation is a way of life. It's a unity. It's a relationship. It's something interior. It's the conversion of heart, mind, and soul that is necessary. Our practices, our coming to Mass, can be empty practices unless our first and foremost relationship is one of love with the Lord. G.K. Chesterton, the great satirist or comedian, said that, you know, words to the effect of the Mass is boring or monotonous unless you love Jesus. It's the same thing every day, except it's the new thing every day. St. Augustine tells us that this God of ours is a beauty ever ancient, ever new. And so when we come to the Mass, we enter into the eternity of it, but also its radical newness. That every time we encounter the Lord in the Eucharist, it changes us. It makes our life something more meaningful. And so a life of Eucharistic kerygma, a life of preaching the Eucharist and our relationship, our union with the Lord, is first and foremost a place of being. Where am I spiritually, mentally, morally, all of these things? The actions follow after this. If I love Jesus with all of my heart... It's easy or easier to make that commitment. If I don't love Jesus, it's hard. So for instance, looking at vocations to the priesthood and religious life. I was earlier a couple days ago with some friends from my parish who have recently moved up here. And I was talking about how some of the sisters here have been in religious life in the monastery for more than 60 years. And these are good, holy Catholic people and they could not believe that. They ask, so they, they go on vacation like for a couple weeks every year. They, they, get, they get a leave all the time, right? Like they, they can go out for long walks and, and they, they, they can go away for a long time, right? No. 
No, their life is life of prayer. Well, they're sad, right? They don't like it. You know, they're kind of mopey. No, they're joyful. They love the Lord. That is what a Eucharistic life, a Eucharistic charismatic life is. Is that even something that is to our earthly and temporal eyes impossible becomes an act of joy, of happiness. So it's that first and foremost, it's that relationship. The second part of a life of Eucharistic charisma is what we do. It's the piety, it's the devotion, it's the actual preaching of the gospel. But then that comes, remember, it comes from that first and foremost, that relationship. Uh, there's an old maxim, nemo dat quod non habet, in Latin, nobody gives what he doesn't already have. If we don't have that relationship with the Lord, our preaching is empty. Our vows are empty. Our lives are empty. But when it comes from that relationship, it's a spring. It's a spring of eternal joy and happiness and goodness that goes deeper and richer and opens up to new and incredible things. A brief story as to how this can manifest itself. A little over eight years ago, when I was making my visit to the provincial headquarters in Chicago as I was applying to become a Dominican, excuse me, I met Father Giles Claprich. And Father Giles at that time was 89 years old. And I didn't know Father Giles from Adam. And Father Giles walked over to me after Mass one morning as I was finishing up my Thanksgiving and getting ready to go to breakfast. And he says to me, and Father Giles is, I believe, the 12th of 13 children from South Dakota. In order to become a priest back then, he had to ride a horse like 15 miles each way every day to study Latin with the local priest because the, the, the public high school he attended did not teach Latin. And if he wanted to be a priest, he had to learn Latin. Father Giles was a missionary. Father Giles went all over the world preaching and proclaiming the gospel, being a priest, being a Dominican, loving life. But at 89 years old, he was not physically able to go out into the world. Father Giles, most days, sat at the door and just welcomed people as they came in and buzzed people as they came in and signed for packages. Father Giles looked at me and asked, you know, who are you, where are you from, blah, blah, blah. And he said to me, looked me straight in the eye and said, you know, I can't go out and preach anymore because I'm old. But I preach every day. My preaching every day is my prayer for you and for all the young men who come in here and for vocations to the order. But here's a man who had, at one point in his life, been able to do anything and go anywhere and preach in front of thousands. He was in Nigeria, and our parish in Nigeria has like 20,000 parishioners. And so on Sunday, Mass was a bit crowded and a bit big. And yet his preaching and his joyful preaching toward the end of his life was those at least Eucharistic holy hours, sometimes two or three hours he made every morning. Those simple prayers, that simple witness to being in religious life. This is what a Eucharistic charisma looks like for each and every one of us. It can be something small, it can be something great like that little girl in China. But each one of us is called to come to the Lord, to receive Him, to be healed, to be changed, and to go forth and bring others with us. Jesus tells us today, 
Unless you eat the flesh of the Son of Man and drink his blood, you do not have life within you. For my flesh is true food, and my blood is true drink. As we come to the Lord today, as we finish our novena, our Corpus Christi novena, may we always come to the Lord, recognizing him and him alone as true food and true drink. Because that is the one wellspring that will never dry up. That is the one food that will always satisfy.